0: Okay, I am so honored to welcome the next person onto this podcast. This interview today is someone I really, really admire, honestly look up to as someone I hope to be in the future. I am welcoming on Chris Simon, licensed professional counselor here in Arkansas. He's an adjunct professor at John Brown University, a certified sex addiction therapist. He is a founder of the Restorations Therapy Center in Denver, Colorado, which is a sexual addiction and sexual abuse and affair recovery treatment center. He is currently doing private practice here in Arkansas and runs groups and seminars for healthy sexuality, which is like my dream. He is amazing. We cover so many amazing topics today. Really, we hit on some of the big things that people have been asking me that haven't really been addressed here before. We've touched a little bit on shame, um, and feelings of shame and dealing with past issues and all of that here on the podcast, but we really haven't dived into it into the level that we get to talk to Chris about today. Chris brought years of experience and wisdom into this. He has spent so much time researching healthy sexuality, sexual addictions, all of these different things. And he has so, so, so much to teach you today. So I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode and I would love to hear your feedback. Here we go. Thank you so much for coming on today. I honestly have been most excited about this interview. I sitting in your lectures, I was like, okay, (laughs) I have a million and one questions I want to ask. And I have had people asking me questions, um, that I cannot wait to get into today. But first, Just give everyone like a little tidbit on what got you started with wanting to help with healthy sexuality or sex addictions. What kind of got you on that path?
1: Absolutely. So um, the reason I focus on sexuality and sexual addictions is because that's my own history. I had traumas in my brain that um, acted out sexually as a way to cope and Mm -hmm. to get through those moments, which um, cause a lot of pain and a lot of heartache within myself and my relationships. And so as I have had been on a long road of recovery and just self realization, I, uh, God's put other people in my path to do the same. And so I did not want to specialize in sexuality as a therapist. (laughs) That was actually the farthest thing on my mind, but God kept putting opportunities in front of me. That involved that from specific internships to specific jobs, um, opportunities, um, talks, such as this on the podcast or in the news in Denver and other places that um, fall around this. And so eventually I just have a lot of training that specializes in this because there's a huge need for it. Um, with my own brokenness, I connect, I think, at a really deep way and I want to help. And yeah. so I pursued my own education to help. But in the process of that, learned so much about myself, so much about my clients, everybody um, can benefit from that. And so a lot of this actually just came from my own healing and just trying to use what I've learned to help other people along the way.
0: Yeah. What do you, what started that healing journey and that healing process?
1: Uh, My journey really started, this is going to sound staged uh, through therapy. (laughs) So... I I was in graduate school. Um, I was actually originally uh, getting my master's in divinity and um, went to go see some counseling for my own family of origins issue and dove into that with an old school classic psychodynamic therapy and um, not very traditional these days. And I saw him every week for seven years and then two years for every other week after that and dove to the depths of my soul and still have depths that we have not touched That still needed. And so just having a safe place, having somebody who cared for my well-being with no bias or agenda, just created so much of its own, my own healing and health. And I think that's what I really needed. And that's what just started this whole journey is having a safe space to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a fairly long, like years, year long process, you know. What was that like? Was it, was it steps and stages of getting healthy and working through stuff? Or how do you feel like that went? The
1: analogy I love to use is it's the stock market, big highs, big lows. (laughs) If you look at a day, you could feel terrible or you could be on top of the moon. And then, um, you have these emotional swings. And then once you're in it for a time for six months or two year, and you can step back and say, Oh, This has been a steady upward trajectory. Hmm. If you if I look too small at it, I could get very discouraged. But as I lean back and said it really has been three steps forward, two steps back, five steps forward, seven steps back, three steps forward, two steps forward. And and it just keeps moving that way. And that's the encouragement I have for anybody, just in their journey in life in general. Nobody's path is linear. It's never a straight line. It's all a crazy zigzag.
0: Yeah, for sure. I feel like that it is so difficult because so many people can, they'll come and they'll ask questions based on what they're feeling in the moment. Like this just happened, or I feel just this way. And and they're not able to take a step back and look like, okay, maybe I do. Maybe there's something I'm dealing with right now, but in the grand scheme of things, have I been making that upward path or have I been staying steady or been going down? Like, where am I in yeah, the big picture. So that kind of relates Mm -hmm. to the, the big question that I have been getting that I wanted to ask you about, which is I have a lot of people in my audience who they are either engaged and they're in a really healthy relationship or they just got married and they are trying to switch their perspective of sex into what is healthy and is good. And and that it should be something that will be enjoyable and intimate and a great connection between them and their partner, but they are dealing with either history or, or they're dealing with the pressures that they felt in the church, and they don't know how to overcome this dirty feeling that is associated with sex. Is there anything that you can speak to on that?
1: My first thought with that is if you put a hundred people in a room, Christian, non-Christian, Islam, whatever they are, and you begin to talk about sexuality, all hundred of them are sexually broken in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. Whether that's been sexual abuse or sexual assault, whether that's been um, sexual neglect from their parents never discussing sexuality, whether it's been a, a form of psychological sexual abuse by overly talking about it, right? Yeah. All of us have been wounded in our sexuality in some shape or form. And I think that's the most important thing to think about when we're coming to this table. Nobody comes to this table with a blank slate. Yeah. Nobody comes in with this wonderful experience of sexuality where they had the best dating experience and anything like that. Because if even those people who um, the first person they kiss and date and, and get married to and have sex with is all this wonderful person. Yes. But when did that happen? was that at seventh grade or was that at 24? And they've been asking for five years, why does Lord, are you not giving me someone to be in a relationship with? Yeah. All of those, we have some of our own wounds around that. And so that's the first thing I'd say. The second is our Christian church has done an enormous disservice with sexuality. Yeah. And I apologize for that. I'm really sorry. And it breaks my heart. And part of wanting to be on here is to to try to help and be a part of the solution of that. We as a Christian church has seen sexuality as this dirty, awkward conversation. And because it's uncomfortable, we've avoided it. And what that has happened is it's allowed culture and sometimes even more just adolescents' imaginations to do education mm-hmm. rather than a Christ-centered conversation. Yeah. And I think it's, because of of adults' uncomfortableness, it leads to the younger generation getting hurt. And so with that, one of the greatest pains the church has done around sexuality is this whole save yourself for marriage. um, And when you get married, it's gonna be this wonderful, blissful thing. And just think about it from a psychological standpoint for a second. For, let's say you got married at 25 uh for the first 25 years of your life don't have sex don't have sex, don't have sex and yeah. boom you're christened now all of a sudden have sex and everything's wonderful
0: yeah that's
1: just not how our brains work we can't say something is bad 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 and then all of a sudden it's good hmm. and so with that is this hesitation this shame and this guilt because shame and guilt is often what people and adolescents and young adults feel around sexuality and just because i've been married in the sight of god that doesn't just negate all of those feelings, yeah. And so I've worked with couples uh, engaged or newly married. I'm thinking one particular were three uh, months married and came to see me because their sex life was so terrible. And the whole idea around this, there's so much anxiety around doing it perfect. There's mm-hmm. so much anxiety around what's their wounds, what's mine, and there's a reason God put Psalm Psalms in the, the Bible. I mean, if you want to get blushed and get a little heated, you should go (laughs) read that book. Um, It it was like the original Fifty Shades of Grey from 3,000 years ago. And there's a reason for that is because God created us that way. This is a beautiful gift that he gave us. And part of that is even the analogy he uses when he describes Christ's love for the church. He said uh, Christ was the bride of the church, right? Mm-hmm. And with that, and the Jewish connotation is the sexual union was a so strong tones in that conversation. And it's because the sexual, the act of sex and sexual intimacy is the most connected human beings can be on earth. Mm-hmm. And that comes from a physical, emotional, and a spiritual level. God was using that analogy and that depth when he was talking about Christ being the bride of the church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that points to the beauty of the sexual union that our Culture as a whole has just diminished, diminished by saying it's just a physical act. It's not just a physical act. Yeah, um, Most people can remember their first sexual experience, no matter how old they are. Yeah, And there's a reason for that because that's how we were made. And so when we put all this together and we think about this, this is a beautiful gift God gave us to connect two people. And our culture has made it about mechanics, about positions, about excitement, about your own desires and your own fetishes, mm-hmm. and I think that brings a lot of anxiety into the bedroom um, for for couples. When we take a step back and look at it often how song of Psalms talks about it, um, I am my lovers and my lovers is mine, right? Mm-hmm. What if we just engage this? Here's a beautiful opportunity to connect with my spouse. Yeah, and that's it. yeah, and take all other preconceived notions off the table to do we orgasm at the same time? Do we like the same positions? Do we all this kind of stuff? These are all outside thoughts that have just come in to say, no, go into that experience, focused on connecting to your partner. You're gonna have an amazing time. Whether you orgasm, whether you both orgasm, no matter what happens. And I think culture as a whole has just robbed us of yeah. the, this beautiful intent of it is to just connect. Go into that experience, focused on connecting to your partner, you're gonna have an amazing time. Whether you orgasm, whether you both orgasm no matter what happens. And I think culture as a whole has just robbed us of yeah. the this beautiful intent of it is to just connect,
0: yeah, I love that. I love that. And in line with that, um that made me think of early on, my husband and I's experience with sex was, It was so good and it was so beautiful and it was so intimate. But he was a pastor's son, and so he dealt with a lot of those shame feelings. And it was really interesting where it's like it would be so intimate, and then right at the end, right after orgasm, and we're done, and we're you know just wrapping up and whatever, that's when the shame would just like bombard him. And, and that's when the dirty feelings would come in. Is there anything, I, I know a little bit of his journey walking through it and and how he has sort of come out of that, but, but in that moment, is there anything that you would recommend um, or is it something maybe they need to deal with outside of that time? Um, how do they handle that?
1: So one of my backgrounds is I'm a CSAT supervisor, a certified sex addiction therapist, which is um, credentialed by ITAP, International Institute of Trauma and Addiction Professionals, and it's one of the, the best trains there are in sex addiction. And in that, there we call it the 12 stages of courtship. And this goes from noticing and flirting. It goes to demonstrating and developing a healthy differentiation. Um, and then the end, it talks about foreplay and sex. And then it actually talks about renewal and commitment after the act of sex. Hmm. And in our culture, we often see this whole act of sex as the culmination of the sexual experience. That is not the end. If there is no renewal afterwards, if there's no commitment to the other person, it is just a physical act. Hmm. And so when there's a lot of this guilt or shame coming on, we we create this focus where the act of orgasm is the focus of sex. It's not. It's a yeah. part of it. Yeah. And so part of that afterwards is how do you guys connect afterwards? Is it just mm-hmm. we clean up because mess is sexy or it is <laughs> um, messy?
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Most yeah. people don't talk about that. Sex is messy. It just is. And do you clean up? Do you sit there and talk? Do you go roll over and go back to reading a book? Like, is there any conversation and connection? Mm-hmm. Because it's a very intimate act and so if there's not continued connection afterwards more often than not one of the partners is going to feel some shame or some guilt mm. um because of whatever happened and so talk about it say hey I love you I'm so glad I get to do this with you and yeah. hold each other for a minute or two right yeah. and then we can say oh that's so mushy I'm like well think about the reality of it being physically naked with someone is one type of vulnerability being emotionally naked I think is even harder
0: mm-hmm.
1: And when you pair those together, you want to talk about the sweetest, most connected bonding experience ever. Yeah. And our American Western culture has turned sex just into this physical act. It's not. Yeah. And so when I hear of instances where people struggle with shame or guilt afterwards, what I hear is that there's some severance of that emotional connection. And whether that's just become some wounds from the past, if someone struggled with pornography or sexual addiction or masturbation and any of those things, orgasm can be a very negative connotation, right? Yeah. But if you can shift that and say, okay, that's it. And I'm still here and I'm still holding your arm Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: we're still holding tight. And I love doing this with you and the messiness of it all. And I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Yeah. It actually creates that deep connection. that I think God created sex to be.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And I feel like sometimes early on in relationships, it can kind of be hard because you're still navigating who is this person. I mean, you're you're doing that throughout your whole relationship all the way through, but figuring out what does it look like to be emotionally vulnerable after such a physically vulnerable time. The other thing I was thinking about is when people have talked, it's like they are associating you know, you talked about porn or if they've had some sort of addiction or, or some association with negative things in the church. Um, it's almost like the orgasm itself, what they talk about is the thing that is all of a sudden negative. It's like, there's this buildup, 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 like everything is positive. And then this culmination of an orgasm, that's when like things just like turn. And that's when all of a sudden that, that shame happens. Now, do you have anything to speak to that?
1: Part of that is because once orgasm hits the, the, the hormones in the body shift. Mm-hmm. So there are five main, there, there's more than five, but there's five main chemicals released during orgasm, um, increased dop- dopamine, decreased serotonin, norepinephrine and epinephrine, which are both adrenaline. Those are all present during foreplay. They're present during kissing. They're present during a, talking. And if you're getting turned on. The only additional chemical released during an orgasm is oxytocin and it's called the cuddle drug. It's only released two times. Um, and it's during sex and during breastfeeding mm-hmm. and they call that cuddle drug bonding. Cause that's what it is. And yeah. this is why people can remember some of their first sexual experiences because it's the first time they've ever experienced this um, hormone in their body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's tied with memory. And so you have this very strong, chemical reaction in our body, and then they all dissipate. And it's literally a chemical crash, Hmm. right? And so that's happening on a natural level. Now let's think about if there's any type of wounds, sexual abuse, sexual assault, um, pornography, or sexual addiction in it, this represents the end of a difficult, of of a difficult time and a painful Mm -hmm. time. And so now that association from the past is flooding into the present. Wow. Um, And so that's one reason a lot of people struggle with this. Another piece I like to think about with this is the idea that orgasm is not the purpose and goal of sex. Mm -hmm. And people, this goes for people who are having sex or for somebody who's masturbating or pornography, for example. The goal is not to orgasm as fast as humanly possible. Yep. And a lot of people don't think about that fact. The goal is actually to be connected, to enjoy. To have fun and to have pleasure, mm-hmm. and the orgasm is like the climax of a movie. Without the, the rest of the movie, the climax doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it's the same thing the sexual experience. And so, when we actually look at this, the whole thing when people go into the act of sex trying to focus solely on orgasm, they miss everything else. It's like going to a drive from here to Colorado and just wake me up when I get there, and not see the beauty along the way. Yeah. And when you you can begin to shift your perspective, it's not about us climaxing. Um, By the way, it's like 5% of people orgasm at the same time during sex. It's like a phenomenon. It barely ever happens. Yeah. And it's something we don't talk about. And and so when we have this expectation that that's all this is about, we lose the forest for the trees and we enjoy the connective experience before. Yeah. And if you can really enjoy the act of connection, um, that, uh, of closeness, right? Yeah. And you're already there. And whether you orgasm or not, those are relationships I see that are the
0: healthiest. I feel like that could be a huge mindset shift, especially for women. Um, I know I've talked with a lot of women where when they say sex, they define it as my husband has had an orgasm and, and it never includes them necessarily. It doesn't matter whether or not they have it's, it's everything is finished when he is finished. And so they, they have this pressure that they put on themselves and this mindset that, um, it is about the orgasm. And it's interesting because it's, it's not about their own. It's about whether or not I have managed to please him and, and then everything is okay. And I could definitely see where those feelings of shame and dirtiness would hang on if that is the sort of pressure that they're, they're putting on themselves. And that's the sort of mindset that they have. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And what you talk about is what we call the orgasm gap. 98% of men orgasm during sex. It's about 30 to 40% of women. Yeah. And part of that reason um, is it shows a lot of the patriarchal chauvinism that comes in that Mm -hmm. it's the male's experience and not, and that's not how God intended it. Again, look at song of Psalms. Um, also only about 30% of women can orgasm vaginally.
0: Yeah. Cause that's not More the, women the focal cannot, point. <laughs> not,
1: that's not the focal point. Most women need the clitoris stimulation to be orgasm. Yeah. And again, we don't talk about this. Yeah. And so many people have this idea too, of penis, vaginal intercourse is the only type of sex. No, no, it's not. Sex is about an experience. And so whether you have to to manually simulate one or another, it doesn't matter. It's about are you bonding? Are you connecting? Are you pleasuring somebody you love and you enjoy seeing them happy? And are you connected in this and are you present? That's the goal. And I think you're right. A lot of relationships focus on the male orgasm. And I think that's short-sighted. And I think it's very um, painful to a lot of women that, no, this is a mutually satisfying thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's got to be painful for the man as well, whether he knows it or not, because it is putting pressure and influence on him as well. That, that it's based, that sex is based on his performance and that it is also about the orgasm for him and, and how he finishes.
1: Right. And part of that is in biology Mm -hmm. because when men orgasm, the crash is much stronger from a Mm -hmm. chemical standpoint. Uh, and a fatigue standpoint, and not as much for women. Men are also more visually um, um, turned on, and women are more emotionally turned on. And even look at our culture and our society, right? That that pushes this physical is everything, and it's just mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. And so there's a lot of terrible cultural things going in men's mind during the act of sex, and there's a lot of terrible, painful things that are going through women's mind during sex, and they're mm-hmm. not the same. Yeah, And this is often where we grow up in this Christian culture where we can't talk about this. It's taboo. It's dirty. So then we get married and we, we follow through with those beliefs to where we don't talk about it
0: yeah. versus
1: saying, hey, let's talk about this. What are your experiences? What are your desires? What is happy for you? All these type of things. It's like, oh, we still can't talk about it. And so we go and have the act and I hope that was good for you. <laughs> and that, that's not a very healthy experience, no matter if it's sex or any other activity people are doing together. If yeah. there's no communication and no connectivity to it, it's fairly doomed from the start.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely feel that because you, you know, talking about how men tend to be a little bit more visual and women emotional, I took that to heart so strongly when I was young that I just thought, you know, I'd get married and that it was going to be all about the physical for him. And my husband is a very emotionally driven person. And I did not know early on how to tap into that because I just thought this is physical for him and it's emotional for me. And we were missing so much. And I'm so glad that we have grown out of that. But when I started tapping into my husband also likes gentle, sweet, loving, kind, Emotional connection, all of that sort of stuff. It was like, wow, we just experienced a whole new world together.
1: Absolutely, and a lot of it is because of these cultural expectations that women are all emotional and men are all physical or visual. No, it's just not true. No, and they may lean towards one side or leans to another, but that doesn't mean that men need this emotional connection, right? And and part of it, again, this is God's intent for it was to be uh, connected. So. If I'm gone all day at work and come home to just chaos with my two and my four-year-old, and afterwards my wife's just like, hey, you want to have sex? I'm just like, I am so emotionally overstimulated, checked out. If this is really important to you, I can absolutely rally, but I need a little bit of time because I'm struggling to be emotional present with myself, yet alone with you. Yeah. But again, we live in a culture where people say, oh, you can't say that kind of stuff. You can absolutely say that. You can absolutely say I long and desire for you. And right now I'm just exhausted mm-hmm. and I still love you. And then we have this, this often connotation of, of a women bowing to men's sexual desires. Hey, you want to have sex? Oh, I guess I have to. Cause if a woman doesn't have sex with a man, he's going to go out and look at porn or something like that. And that's just baloney. Yeah. Right. Uh, if someone chooses to look at porn, that was their choice. Whether yeah. you guys had sex or not, does not change that one bit. Yeah. Um, but then going to the other side is, is seeing women as only emotional. No,
0: my, no, my wife
1: finds me physically attractive and that's, that's how it's supposed to be. But yeah. that doesn't mean it can't lean one way, but leaning often gets seen as 100%. It's not. And even more than that, some moments, some experiences are different. There's times where I just want to just be super emotionally connected to my wife and there's not much physical to it but then mm-hmm. and, and, and there's vice versa for my wife like this is yeah. what it means to be the complex human beings that god created us yeah he, he didn't create us to be sexual beings to just watch a squirm and be like ha, sucks to be you to have to figure all that out that does not fit my image of the character of god no and so if we slow down and say lord what are you trying to show us what are you trying to teach us How can we know, learn more about each other and how can we learn more about you in this process? We will, but it's this idea of, are we looking to connect or am I just looking to get off?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. This conversation has been so, so good. Is there anything else that you, you know, in fighting that shame culture and, and just a lot of the negative messages that have invaded our culture? Is there anything else that you would want to say to that, or leave with the with the listeners?
1: Yeah, a, a couple that sound obvious, but I just want to be one to, to bluntly say it. Yeah. Uh, pornography will destroy any pepper relationship. Yep. Uh, and, and we think about pornography just um, for the men; it's just as much a women's problem. It's actually coming up faster and faster with women. And you just think about how visual our culture and our media has become. Mm-hmm. It's almost leaning women that way. And so be careful. Um, even people love to bring pornography into some of their sex lives. And I have yet to see that go well in the thousands yeah. of people I've, I've met. Um, and so be, be careful with that. If someone struggles with it, great. Go talk to someone. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a trusted friend. Go find a therapist who specializes in it. Um, that doesn't mean you're wrong or broken. It means that we are exactly how God made us. And the evil one has tried to use it to distort it and to hurt mm-hmm. us. And that's just as much for visual um, pornography as is emotional and think about other relationships. I, I have some clients who struggle thinking about ex-girlfriends or if somebody would be better or these type of stuff. And like, it's a moot point. If you are married and you've chosen your spouse, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who anybody else is. Make that the best relationship humanly possible. And if you spend the amount of emotional energy and physical energy to do that, there's not going to be as many temptations. But when we're half in and half out, that's when the evil one gets a foothold. Mm -hmm. And when he really tries to drag us away. And so really guard your heart around that, um, around your emotional self and your physical sexual self. Um, Another one, as you said, some of the people here are engaged. Um, Again, a message we always hear. Be careful what you do before you get married. You can't go back. Yeah. And um a lot of people say, oh, well, it's so hard to stay pure and not have sex in this world. And like, um, no, it's no more difficult now than it ever has before. Maybe there's more social media or post on it, but if you look at Corinth, there are temple prostitutes and shrines. Like it's probably worse than it was now. Um, you can't choose to remain pure and it, That's what it is as a choice. And I have a lot mm-hmm. of people ask me what's appropriate when you're in dating or engaged relationship. And, um, it's a classic high school question, right? Yeah. How far oh, yeah. are
0: <laughs> all the time? And,
1: and my, my counter to that is what you're really asking is how much can I get away with? Mm-hmm. What yeah. can I get that I want? Not how can I protect and love this person I care about? Yeah, And so whenever you're asking that question, how far is too far, it's the wrong question. How do you love and honor and respect that person emotionally, physically, spiritually, and mentally? Yeah, And if you do that, then you find ways to connect. Um, Sex is a very easy way to connect. And a lot of people struggle with these even in marriage where it becomes the go-to way in which they connect. If all you do is connect on a sexual relationship, you will not have a healthy marriage. Yeah. You just won't. You need to connect in other levels. And that goes just as much to dating to engage and to 80 year olds. um, Right. Sex is just one way. And so make sure to remember spending time together, having conversations, playing games, laughing, joking. That is just as much part of that foreplay um, experience as actual act in the bedroom. And I had a mentor say that to me once when I was an undergrad. He said, foreplay starts when I kiss my wife goodbye in the morning. And I love the sentiment of that. Yeah. This is like, this is something I always do. It's not something that just starts. And so, if you can see sexuality as just another dynamic layer of so many ways to connect to your spouse, mm. um, I think we can knock it down a, a step because our culture holds it too high. Yeah. We can knock it down to appropriate levels, says this is important. It's not everything. And if I see it as my go-to and the main way in which I connect, I'm missing a lot of amazing ways to, to connect with my spouse.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And it makes me think I've had a few people ask me very specifically lines, you know, you're talking about like how far is too far. And they've asked me, can I do this or should I do this? And One, it does tell me you're probably already doing that. If you're asking me the question, because what you're wanting is you're wanting validation and my validation for whatever is going on is not going to do anything for you. It is not going to make your relationship healthier. It is not going to make it any better. If you are coming to me for that, it means that there's some inner work that needs to happen. You need to turn around and ask yourself, what do you feel is right? Where do you want to go? Do you feel that there is this intimacy and there's this connection and that God is involved here or do you not? And and typically it's pretty clear. It's not, it's not honestly that vague. If you, if you take a moment to process and get real with yourself, but We want to see where that line is, where everyone else says that line is, where does my pastor say that line is, where do my parents say that line is, because then it'll make me feel better about this whole thing down the road. It's not going to make you feel any better about it. You're going to look back and you're going to say, I wish I wouldn't have, or I wish I would have. And it's going to be based on where you stood and where you and your partner stood and where you and God stood. Well, thank you so much. This was so, so good. I cannot wait to air this. This was exactly, exactly what I know that they needed. So thank you.
1: Good. Glad to help. I know we just scratched the surface. I mean, there's I so much. <laughs> when I've been doing this for about 12 years now. And I'm like, I have so much anecdotal, anecdotal research and information to share. Like one of my favorite ones is um, humans are the only animals on earth where sex is a pleasurable experience. No other species on earth isn't is done for enjoyment, only for procreation. That's not happenstance. <laughs> God did that for a reason. I know. I love and it. There's just so many little pieces like that that after doing this for so long, it's um it's exciting.
0: Yeah. I feel like I was so, so thank ab- you for
1: giving me the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I feel like I was so abnormal when I was dating my husband. I laughed with him one time and I said, if if sex is a picture of, you know, God coming and this connection with the church, I'm, I'm excited to bring the kingdom. (laughs) Like his friends just started laughing at me, but I was like, I really do picture it this way. It is, it is supposed to be healthy and good. So I'm glad that, that you can help me bring that uh, to the listeners.
1: Absolutely. More than happy to do that. So thanks for having me. And thanks for letting me share some of those things that helped me in my own life that I hope can help others.
0: Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. That conversation with Chris was just amazing and I hope that it encouraged you as much as it encouraged me and got me fired up. Passion Connected is finally on the charts. And I want this to keep growing because I want the message of sex education to get out there. It is so, so needed in this world. So if this was encouraging to you or you feel like you would like to support Passion Connected, you can do that really, really easily by just going on and leaving a five star review and leaving a comment on the podcast and just letting me know and letting others know how this was helpful, what this means to you. I appreciate it so, so much. So go ahead and leave that review. Leave those five stars and I will see you guys next week.